bring it. Today we're wrapping up our 30-day challenge that we've been in together. It was a month ago that we set out on this journey to explore together what it would mean to more clearly see our lives here on the earth in light of forever, in light of eternity. And uh, many of you have told me that through participating in this challenge, you've seen God work in your heart, work in your life, uh, expand your focus, shift you a little bit, and I'm thrilled about that. A little later on, uh, here in our service, you're going to have the opportunity, if uh, the Lord prompts you, to stand up and maybe share with the rest of us uh, how this has impacted you personally. Right now, I just want to share a couple of comments or responses from New Lifers to a text we sent out on how this emphasis has impacted them. So um, one person says, I have been impacted by completely being in awe over who Jesus Christ is and what he did for us. He is truly worthy of all our worship, and I cannot wait to be with him forever one day. Another comment, I've learned not to sweat the small stuff. Even the worst of things in this life is only a small blip when compared to eternity. One person said, I'm most definitely thinking about eternity more. One thing that has changed for me is that I'm sharing my faith in Christ more. No matter what I'm talking about with someone, Jesus is always quick on the heels of what I've said. Another person, ultimately I've been thinking more on what I can do now to increase the population of eternity. God, use me as you wish. Several people said they've been challenged to, to give financially more, more and more often. This person said, I've always had a fear of dying, but through this emphasis, God has really shown me his love and his promises these last several weeks. And then finally, a person said, it has helped me to focus on what is truly important. It makes me want to be stronger in my walk and centered in the gospel. And I say, amen, amen. You know, um, many of you have said that this rope, this rope to eternity has been a good visual for you. So we're going to bring it back again this morning just to keep this truth in front of us, the relative proportion of our life on this earth to all of eternity. One guy said that, that we ought to keep this thing up all the time. Uh, but I'm thinking that might be too much of a temptation for some of our children, some of your children. I can just see them grabbing that thing and shimmying up the rope to the top and hanging from the rafters, and I'm sure our church business administrator would frown on that. So, um, But we wanted to bring it back today just to remind us that this life is not all there is, right? Our little 60, 70, 80 years, 90 years perhaps on this planet, compared to all of eternity, there is no comparison. This life is not all there is. There's a lot more to come. And uh, I think it's helpful just to visualize that. I think this, that gentleman was right, though, in, in saying that this 30-day challenge should not mark the end of our quest to live with eternity in view. That ought to continue on the remainder of our days here on this earth, right? And that's what we're shooting for. So what I want to do today to kind of finish out this series and, and this challenge and hopefully stimulate ongoing progress in this area is focus our attention on one particular event that God has predicted in his word that he has promised that is still yet to come. I alluded to it in a, in a previous sermon. I had a number of people say, can, can you teach more on that? So I'm going to do that today. As best I understand it, this event that I'm talking about is going to take place about right here, okay? just after the conclusion of our lives here on this earth. And, of course, we've been noting that how our lives here 
how we live our lives now affects all of eternity, and it will certainly affect the events on that day. What I'm talking about is the event that is often referred to as the judgment seat of Christ. And this week there is an outline in your worship folder, so pull that out and you can track with me. The judgment seat of Christ, sometimes called the Bema seat judgment. How many of you have heard that term Bema seat before? Okay. For our purposes today, I'm going to call it the heavenly award ceremony, Okay, because that's what it is. Just curious, how many of you have been to an awards ceremony of some sort in the last year? Can I see your hands? Okay. Is it for your kids or grandkids mostly? Is it the end of the school year coming? These are coming up quickly. I think I've even got one this week that we'll be attending. Certainly uh, recognizing achievement by the giving out of awards is, is a staple in our culture. But it's interesting to discover that the Bible speaks of this as well. And I know that this idea of a heavenly award ceremony might be new to some of you. So let me show you where this event is promised in the scriptures, okay? The promise of future rewards. Jesus, speaking in Revelation twenty two twelve, said this, Behold, I am coming soon, and I hope so, and my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Jesus talking about giving awards. Paul wrote this, therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. Isn't that interesting? Here's probably the classic verse on this topic, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, that's during your time on the earth, whether good or bad. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Paul wrote this, 2 Timothy 4.8, There is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. He wrote this in 1 Corinthians 9, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, in a church like ours, where we're coming to understand that the storyline of the Bible is the story of God's grace in saving and redeeming sinners, this notion of you know, running a race in order to get the prize might be a little confuse, confusing to some of you. Maybe you're thinking, now wait a second, I thought this was all about God's grace, and I thought that, that, that God's bar is really high, and, and we can't clear it, and we need a Savior, we need a rescuer to come and live and die for us so that we can, we can be saved, and it's all of the grace of God, and we need Jesus' righteousness given to us. But now here you're talking about running to win a prize. So which is it, Steve? Is it performance or is it grace? So that's a fair question. Here, here's the resolution, okay, of those two truths. I want to be very clear, very crystal clear, that no one is saved, redeemed, justified, born again, forgiven by God because of their good deeds. You can't be saved by trying to be good enough for God because you could never be good enough for God. The bar is too high. You cannot possibly earn salvation 
through your own efforts. The scriptures are very clear. Just one example, Titus 3.5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. For people are not saved by their good works, right? I mean, if that were possible, then you'd have some people going around boasting about how awesome they are, you know, and God saved me because I'm just this great person. They would be claiming some credit for their salvation, and God would be robbed of some of his glory. No. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, so that no one can boast. God gets all the glory for your salvation and for mine. But the very next verse, verse 10 of Ephesians 2, tells us that while it is true we are not saved by good works, we are saved for good works, to do good works. While we cannot work to earn a spot in heaven, as God's children, as believers, we can work here in such a way that we will enjoy heaven more. But understand that even this is grace. Because where does the desire and the ability to do good works come from? Where does it come from? It comes from God the Spirit working in us, producing that in us, right? So it is all of grace. It's all for the glory of Jesus Christ. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works to the glory of Christ. So here's the truth. Listen, every good work, every loving deed, that you do in this life for Jesus' glory in the strength of his spirit will one day be rewarded. Whether anybody else here on this earth ever saw what you did or not, Jesus sees and he's going to reward you for your good deeds done in his name. And that's going to occur at the conclusion of our lives at this event called the judgment seat of Christ. Now we saw that term in 2 Corinthians 5.10. It's actually the Greek word bima, as I mentioned. And the bima seat was actually like a raised marble platform that was seen at the awards ceremony that concluded the Olympic Games, or their local version of the Olympic Games. The bima was where winning athletes stood up, like we've seen at the Olympics, right, to be recognized and to be given an award for winning, for being victorious. It was a place of recognition and celebration and reward. So in effect, Paul was saying, as he wrote this to the Corinthians, maybe you've been there, maybe you've been to the Olympic Games, maybe you've seen that award ceremony, just you wait until you get to the heavenly FEMA seat, the heavenly awards ceremony. That's really going to be something. Again, I want to be clear that the Bema Seat judgment is not to determine who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. I mean, unbelievers won't even be present there. It's only for Christians. Nor is the purpose to shame or embarrass us for not being perfect, for not living a perfect life here. Our sins, as you know, have already been judged on the cross. God's not going to judge your sins twice. This, the Bema Seat Award Ceremony, is about Jesus rewarding his followers for their faithful, loyal service and devotion to him, for their good deeds. It is an awards ceremony. Having said that, no doubt there will be some regret and some tears there. And here's why. 
Because in order to determine what in our lives was worthy of being rewarded, there's first going to be an evaluation, an examination. Jesus is going to examine each of our lives to determine which of our works is rewardable, which of our works pass muster with him. And I imagine that all of us will likely have some regrets at what's going to be revealed, but the gracious judge is going to come and he's going to wipe away every tear of regret and then he's going to affirm and reward all that he sees in our lives, all that he deems to be worthy of reward. Now in his writing, the Apostle Paul gives a, a very intriguing picture of this examination. Listen from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. He wrote this, By the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day, that's the day of the Bema seat ceremony, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. But if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through really interesting, isn't it? I mean, obviously, Paul is speaking here about his own ministry, his ministry of preaching the gospel and discipling new believers and then gathering them together into new churches. But he likens his ministry, his gospel work, to what? To like a construction site, a construction site where excavation has, has been done, where footers and a foundation is being poured, and then Building materials are gathered, and then a, a house is constructed on the foundation. So this is a metaphor. He's saying that building a ministry is in some ways like building a house. And I join with many people who believe this analogy could be applied not just to building a ministry, but to building a life. And so this applies to all of us in this room. In Paul's mind, there are two keys to, to building an eternally durable life or ministry. First, laying the right foundation, which is who? Jesus Christ. Building your life on Jesus Christ, building your ministry on Jesus Christ, and then using the right building materials to build with. He'd observe that some people used quality materials like what he calls gold, silver, and costly stones. Others chose to use garden variety materials that do the job, wood, hay and straw, but wouldn't survive a fire. And so here's the main teaching. Get, get this now. There is coming a day of testing. There's coming a day of evaluation when what we built during our lives here on this earth is going to be subjected to a test, and that test is going to reveal the quality of what we built. In Paul's analogy here, the test will be a trial by what? Fire. Fire. So like in a house fire, which I know some of you have experienced this, some stuff's going to burn up. It's going to be incinerated. It's going to go up in smoke. 
But other stuff will remain, will endure the fire and remain. The fire is going to test it. Now, you're thinking, I don't understand that. Well, we, we don't know the exact details of how this is going to happen. In Revelation, it does say that Jesus' eyes are like a flame of fire. And so some scholars believe that Jesus is somehow going to look at the lives and the ministries that we've built. And in an instant, his fiery gaze is going to consume all that was worthless. And only what is valuable is going to remain. I I know for me, this 30-day challenge has made me ask myself more often, what portion of my life, what portion of my ministry is going to go up in smoke and what portion of it is going to endure and be rewarded? We also don't know exactly which part of this is private and which part is public. Have you ever wondered about that? I tend to think the examination part is going to be private. I hope it's going to be private, you know, like just me and Jesus or just you and Jesus. I also tend to think the rewards are going to be given out publicly. I mean, Paul did use the analogy of the Bema Awards Ceremony, and that was a a big deal, you know, where everybody could cheer and recognize and congratulate the award winners. So I, I hope that's the way it will work. Exam, private, me and Jesus, award ceremony, public. I think there's going to be some new heroes that day, don't you? People who kind of flew under the radar here and didn't get much notice, you know, grandmothers and clerical workers and so forth. And on that day, they're going to become household names. We're going to go, wow, they love Jesus a lot. Here's what we do know for sure. Some of our work will survive the heat and some won't. What survives could be called the gold, silver, and precious stones of our lives. The rest, the wood, the hay, and the straw, that's all going to be reduced to a smoldering pile of ashes, right? Only what is rewardable will remain. So my question is, what's going to survive? Isn't that your question? What, 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 what kinds of works is Jesus going to reward? What constitutes a life and ministry built with gold and silver and costly stones? I want to know that. And I'm grateful the Bible's not silent. It, it provides for us a kind of catalog of worthy deeds that Jesus is going to reward. Let me give you some categories for this. First, Jesus is going to reward purely motivated acts of righteousness. Yes, he will. So every good deed you've done during your time on this earth that was motivated by a sincere desire to please God rather than to get noticed by people is going to be rewarded. It's taught lots of places in Scripture, most notably probably in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus taught this. He said, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them, you know, to impress people. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. That's all they're going to get, the praise of men. But when you give to the needy, 
Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. See it? Purely motivated acts of righteousness will be rewarded. The rest of that passage speaks of other spiritual activities like praying and like fasting. So I take it that any and every good thing you do as a follower of Jesus to seek God and to bless other people that's motivated by a desire to please your Father is going to be rewarded by Jesus on that day. What that tells me is that the motives underneath our actions matter, right? Are you doing it to impress people or are you doing it to please your heavenly Father? Not just what we do, but why we do it. What's underneath our, our activities matters. And those activities that Jesus deems to be motivated by pure motives are going to get rewarded. Second, what else is going to be rewarded on that day at the Bema Award Ceremony? It's very clear from the Bible that eternal investments, investing in eternity, is going to be rewarded. Choices that Christians make to financially invest in things that will last forever, rather than temporary stuff that's going to go away, it's going to be rewarded. In the same chapter, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves, that's interesting, treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy. No moth and rust in heaven. Amen? For thieves do not break in and steal. No thieves in heaven. Praise God. He said, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, the wealth, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. When you and I invest in things that last forever, Jesus said we will be rewarded with treasure in heaven. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes. That means every time you give to God's work to help the eternal souls of people know the eternal God through his eternal word, you're investing in eternity. God sees it. He's going to reward you for it on that day. You're laying up for yourself treasure in heaven. Third, Jesus is going to reward faithful stewardship of gifts and abilities and of opportunities. Faithfully using everything else you've been entrusted with for the greatest good of God's kingdom will also be rewarded in heaven. Aren't you glad Jesus is going to reward faithfulness and not talent? I mean, if he was just going to reward talented people, then there's a lot of us who would be hurting on that day. But we can all be faithful. We can all be faithful. It's so important. Paul wrote, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Faithful even in little things. Jesus, telling the story, said, the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Every time, every time you are faithful in using your spiritual gift that God has given you to serve and bless others, every time you open your home, which God has given you, maybe you're a host for a small group or, or you just have people over, every time you open your home in hospitality to bless others, every time 
you seize an opportunity that, that presents itself to speak a word about God when a word about God needs to be spoken. Every time you use anything that God's entrusted you with to honor Him and to serve others, Jesus records it, and He's looking forward to rewarding you for it in eternity. Praise God for that. It's not going unnoticed. What else is He going to reward? He's going to reward, number four, sincere acts of generosity and kindness shown to other people. Again, this is in many places in the scriptures. Here's one I like, 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Isn't that good? Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. In other words, people who do this are going to live it up in heaven. (laughs) They're going to really be living it. I just want you to know that God is aware of everything that you do for other people in order to bless them and please your Father. Around here we call these love works, right? Love works. And, and some of the love works that you do, no one knows about. They're under the radar. No one really knows about in this life. But I'm telling you, Jesus knows. And he's recording them. And one day you will be rewarded for them. And God says, I'm especially noting when you show kindness and mercy and compassion to my people. Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to what? Family family of believers. Do you see a priority here? Do good to all, bless everyone, but especially your brothers and sisters in the family. There's a certain priority here given to family. The other day, I caught my assistant here in the office. You know what I, you know what I caught her doing? I caught her praying with someone in her cubicle. Now, I know that maybe where you work, that might be frowned upon, but here we encourage that, actually. Like it's a good thing. It's okay. You're not fi- you're not you know gonna get a pink slip for doing that. It's, it, we encourage that. And I, and I as I saw her doing that, I thought, well, you know what? Not only does her prayer bless the person she's praying for, not only does her prayer move God to to work more deeply in that person's life, but that prayer was also noticed and recorded in heaven. And it's going to be rewarded one day by Jesus. Every prayer you pray for someone or with someone. Every time you serve somebody, every time you listen to someone, every time you speak an uplifting word to them, every time you watch their baby in the nursery. My wife told me to say that. (laughs) She's our nursery coordinator here. And those of you who have little babies who are being watched right now so that you can be in here and, and worship the Lord undistracted, isn't that a blessing? Every time we serve one another another in many ways, anytime you fix that leaky faucet for someone or shovel the snow off their driveway, which we hopefully won't be doing anymore this year, 
Every time you slip a monetary gift to someone or give them a, a gift card, God sees it. No one else may know about it. You might do it anonymously. They, they may, not, may not even know, but God sees it. God records it, and one day God will reward you for it. It says he will not forget your work or the love that you have shown him as you've helped his people. God especially notes kindnesses that are shown not only to the family, but to those who can't pay us back. Jesus said, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. He says, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You know what that tells me? That tells me that when, when you befriend the outcast, you know who I'm talking about? That person at the, on your campus or at work that others don't want to be around, that others make fun of, when you befriend the outcast, God sees it. God sees it. When you bless the physically handicapped or the mentally challenged, God sees it and he promises to repay you for your kindness. We are now hosting here in our building a ministry to adults who have disabilities. It's a ministry called Me and My Friends. It's a precious, precious ministry. I poked my head in the other night to see what was going on and see the people and, and just observing the ministry that was taking place, I couldn't help but think how pleased our father is when he sees his sons and daughters serving folks with those kinds of limitations. I know it blesses him. I know it does. I think God rewards acts like that because that's what's in his heart. The gospel, through the gospel, God blesses those who could never repay him, right? You know what, even the smallest acts of kindness offered in the name of Jesus are noted by Jesus. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because he's my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. He rewarded them. And then God especially notes when we show mercy and kindness to our enemies. To our enemies. Our Lord commanded us, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back, then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Maybe what we conclude, can conclude here is that God is going to reward whatever He sees of Himself in us. Makes sense, right? When he looks at our lives and, 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 and he sees activities and decisions and choices and actions, he says, you know, I would do that. That's what I would do. That's what's going to survive the blazing gaze of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to endure. That's what's going to be rewarded when we reflect our God in the way we live our lives. And the adopted sons and daughters of the royal family look like dad. They reflect his gospel. When we love people who are unlovely or unlovable or just plain evil, it brings him great pleasure because that's what he does. You know, the Bible does not say, while we were yet awesome, Christ died for us. What does it say? While we were sinners, rebellious, 
evil, selfish, self-absorbed, Christ died for you. I believe it. I believe God is going to reward that in us which he deems to be like himself. You know what? If we love our enemies and we end up suffering as a result, that reflects him too. Fifth thing Jesus will reward is this attitude that is willing to gladly sacrifice and even suffer for the sake of Christ. Jesus said it. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because what? Great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We studied in Romans 8, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Think about this. Every Christian, every believer who's ever paid any price at all for knowing and loving Jesus is going to be recognized on that day and rewarded. Those 21 guys who were beheaded a few weeks ago simply because they love Jesus Christ, I mean, in my book, they're heroes now, but then they're going to be rewarded for that because by their death, they're going to be showing that Jesus Christ is worth dying for. You see, that's the, that's the end game here. This is not about competing, like who's, got, who's going to have the most rewards in heaven. This is about demonstrating and showing how worthy Jesus is to be lived for and take risks for and even die for if he should call us to that. That's what this is all about. I hope it is a public ceremony because there are people I've never heard of who are heroes in God's book, and I want to hear their stories and celebrate their courage and praise Jesus even more for being worthy of that kind of devotion. Listen, Jesus sees every good thing you do, every good thing you do, and one day it's going to be brought to light. All of it. Ultimately, it will reflect the supreme value of the only worthy one who redeemed us, the lion who is the lamb, right? That's why you see the elders in that picture in Revelation casting their crowns back at Jesus' feet. Like, you're the one who's, you're the one who's worthy of all this. So, are you curious at all? Like, what are the rewards? What are, the, what are they? What are the true rewards? I want to know that. Down here on the earth, we often give trophies as rewards, right? But what happens with tro trophies? I mean, after so many years, you know, your parents box them up and send them to you in the mail, and you take them downstairs and put them in the crawl space in your basement, never to be seen again. I mean, God's rewards got to be better than that, right? They just have to be better, and they are. The Bible gives us some clues as to the nature of these rewards. One of my favorites is this, verbal commendation from Jesus, from the Master. What is he going to say to his faithful servants? What's he going to say? Well done. Don't you want to hear that? Good job. You used what I gave you to expand and extend my kingdom, my reign on the earth. Good job. Faithful, loyal servant. Some people never hear those words on this earth from their father, their mother, significant person in their life. They never heard anyone say, good job. But on that day, 
they're going to hear it from the Son of God. That it'll mean more than anything else. You know, all my sons played sports, like many of yours, sons and daughters. And I always loved it, you know, how at the end of the season, so the season's over, and, and you end up meeting at Massey's Pizza or Donato's or something, and there's all the kids, and they just, they just played their final game, right? So they got their uniforms on, they're all sweaty there, and they, you know, throw back a bunch of pizza. And then the coach gets up, and, you know, a lot of times the coach will say, you know, let me just call these players up one by one. So, Billy, come on up. Everybody knows Billy was our third baseman this year. Let's hear it for Billy. And everybody claps, you know, and he looks at Billy and says, Billy, you did a great job for us this year. You contributed to our team's success. And I just want to say way to go, young man. Give him a shake. Give him the trophy. I always love the coaches who did that individual recognition. It says something, doesn't it? It means something. And on that day, Jesus Christ is going to look into the eyes of each of his faithful servants and say, Good job. Way to go. You're going to want to hear that. You're going to want to hear that. Second kind of reward or category of reward, I guess you could say, is entrustments of responsibility in his kingdom. He said, well done, my good servant, my faithful servant, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. We don't have time to talk about it much, but during the thousand-year reign of Jesus here, here on this earth, Jesus is going to need trustworthy officials, trustworthy officials, at the local and regional levels to help administrate his kingdom and carry out his plan. So like, you know, you got Singapore, and you got Philadelphia, and you got Columbus. We'll send you some other assistants to help you out there. He will award those positions to sons and daughters who have demonstrated faithfulness, trustworthiness in this life. Makes sense, right? You've been faithful in a little, I'm going to give you more. It's a reward. So for some faithful believers, their reward is going to be an assignment to a leadership post somewhere in the kingdom of Christ. Third category of rewards are crowns. Maybe these are the ones we're most familiar with. Victory crowns. Paul wrote, everybody who competes in the games goes into strict training they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Crowns. Now, when we think of crown, we think of that gold thing encrusted with jewels, right, that fits on the head of a, a monarch, a king. But the actual word used here is not, does not refer to that. It's the word stephanos, which was not a kingly crown, but it was a garland of leaves woven together into a wreath that was then placed on the head of an athlete who won his contest. It was like a garland of leaves. Our modern-day equivalent probably would be a medal or a trophy of some sort. It's an achievement that symbolizes victory. My personal opinion, I could be wrong, but my personal opinion is that we don't really know what these crowns are, just that they're going to be very valuable rewards that you're going to wish you had a lot of on that day. The Bible mentions several different kinds of crowns, the crown of life, the crown of glory, the crown of righteousness, and, and many others. Many, many followers of Christ are going to receive an exceedingly valuable victor's crown at the Bema Award Ceremony. What a day that's going to be. What a day. And then the last category of rewards I'll mention we talked about earlier, treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven. You say, Pastor Steve, wh wh what is treasure in heaven? Answer, 
I have no idea. I mean, Jesus is a treasure, and he will be in heaven. And We know it's not money, because money's not very valuable in heaven. It's pretty important down here. Up there, they pave the streets with gold. You know, gold is pavement up there. So we know it's not money. What we do know is that when the Bible talks about accumulating treasure in heaven, it's tied to giving treasure away down here on the earth. Almost always, especially giving to the poor. Speaking to the rich young ruler, Jesus says, looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. I believe that God sees it when you go on a missions trip, when you raise the money and put the effort in to go on a missions trip to go bring blessing to some struggling people. When you serve with Grin here in our community, and dozens and dozens of you signed up to find out more about that last week, thank you for that. When you serve with Victory Mission, if you're part of our Whitehall community that's going to go to that community and bless those folks, when you restock our care closet out here so that single moms can come and for free get the items that they need, if you participate in the oil change we have coming up and work in that way or wash a car on that day or when you give a gift card to somebody who it could really help by doing those things in Jesus' name, you not only bless them, you not only reflect the heart of your Father, but you are also laying up for yourself an eternal kind of treasure that you will get to enjoy forever. Not like stuff here that, you know, kind of loses its luster after a few weeks or months. You'll get to enjoy treasure forever. Whatever it is. So, rewards. Words from the lips of Jesus. Praise from God. Important responsibilities in his kingdom. Victory crowns. Treasure in heaven. There's more besides those. Just think about that day for a moment. There's going to be a lot of applause, don't you think? A lot of congratulations. A lot of laughter. A lot of smiling. A lot of joy. New heroes revealed on that day. A few tears of regret, but Jesus is going to wipe away every tear. I'm thrilled about that day and also about this day. Because as we've been learning, this day affects that day. And it's kind of heavy to think about, but it's true. Everything you do matters. In one sense, everything you do in this life will matter Forever, forever. I hope that's even clearer to you now after these last 30 days. We tried to capture that reality in our little motto for this challenge, which was this, choose now, impact forever. Make choices now, impact your quality of life in eternity. And so as we wrap up this challenge, here's my prayer for all of us who know Jesus. May the Holy Spirit continue to give each of us the ability to see from here to eternity. Amen? To connect this life with the next life, to realize in new ways how the decisions we make as followers of Jesus in this life will impact our quality of life a hundred billion years from now. And believe me, I hope and pray that every one of you will have a boatload of awards on that day and I'm going to be there cheering you on 
yes, I knew it. I knew they loved Jesus that much. Jesus will reveal it. And it's all going to be in honor of the one who alone is worthy of being loved and served with everything you've got. Everything you've got.